Anybody ever watch wrestling when you were a kid? I feel like I just tagged David. We like flip-flop from last week. If you were here last week, you know what I mean. Man, didn't he do awesome last week? And hey, I believe the Bible when it says give credit where credit is due. Can y'all just tell that team thank you? Man, aren't they awesome? We got some awesome people here. Y'all are awesome too. Um, So last week David preached, and man, did y'all know that was his first sermon ever? It was really awesome. It was really great. Um, He talked about conflict. There were some women that had a problem, right? And we should resolve our problems, have restoration in the Lord was the the point. Um, So we're going to go from talking about external conflict um, to talking about the internal. And uh, I want to ask you this question. Uh, what brings you peace? Um, so there's two different kinds of peace. There's like external peace, which is kind of what David talked about last week. But tonight is gonna, we're going to talk about internal peace. Um, speaking of external peace, it, it's not easy to come by. So since the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace. What percentage would you think of the time? 8%. Um, so in a study, there's a periodical discovered that out of 3,530 years of recorded history, only 266, 86 years all peace. So, and in that time, there have been 8,000 peace treaties. And up until a few years ago, um, you know, because it hasn't been that long, every single one of them was broken. And so peace is really hard to have on the outside or on the inside, but we're talking more about um, internal peace tonight that comes from something deeper, um, some kind of a peace that surpasses your circumstances, a peace that kind of surpasses what people around you uh, might think you should feel. Wouldn't it be nice if you could have that? Wouldn't it be nice if no matter what happened to you, no matter what grade you made on that final, if you just had a peace? Man, no matter how broke you were, no matter how many times you had, what's it called when you're negative in your bank account? They're like, yeah, they like charge you another 20-something dollars, kick you while you're down. The, uh, you still would have peace. Wouldn't that be great? Man, I've been there. Um, just, I'm going to just tell you a story, and I don't want you to think differently after you hear this story, but uh, about a time that I did not have peace, and I desperately needed peace. I was uh, 15 years old, trying to get my driver's license. And I don't know if they still do this, but I had to go to classes, and I had to take these classes in a classroom, and then I had to go drive with somebody in a car. Do they still do this? Some of y'all have probably started driving more recently than me. And so I was in a car with a driver. I was, I was the driver, and then there was another girl that was there doing her thing too, and then there was the instructor. And we started driving. I got on the interstate, and I realized I had to go. And so... <laughs> Yeah, I thought I could hold it at first, but uh, so I, for, after a while, I, I realized I'm going to have to make it to a bathroom, and so I'm like disobeying the, the, the instructor, exiting, and I pull into a Taco Bueno, and I did probably the worst parking job of my life, and I got out of the car, and I sprinted to the Taco Bueno bathroom in Abilene, Texas, and I didn't make it. <laughs> I mean, 
hey, we're being real tonight, okay? I, uh, so, I, I mean, I, I still had a little bit of business to do, but I came out and I pulled my shirt down as far as I could and kind of waddled back out to the car and just got back in and finished the driving test. And they didn't ask me any questions and I didn't say anything. <laughs> and, uh, but I think the smell probably gave me away. It was pretty bad. That, that's by far the most embarrassing story that I have. So let's go around the room. Start over here. Y'all tell me, when did you feel the least amount of peace in your life? Oh, man. But yeah, it would be nice to have that inner peace. And I think the opposite of peace is something that we all probably struggle with sometimes. And that's fear. If you're thinking about internal peace, there's a specific kind of peace that is kind of, or a specific kind of fear, I mean, that's the enemy of peace. And it's called anxiety. I know, um, I know y'all struggle with this. I, I, I have struggled with anxiety um, all my adult life too. And it's this fear. It's this unease. Um, it kind of brings out these nerves. And I think for our purposes, let's just define anxiety as this. It's unmet. It's the fear of unmet expectations. And so right now, I know a lot of you guys in life, um, you just took a test, you're applying for jobs, you're looking for places to live, you're in these relationships that are kind of vulnerable, and even your friendships, your relationships are vulnerable, and um, we all have this, I think. We have this kind of fear of unmet expectations that causes us to feel this kind of unease, these nerves, um, and I, I know that everybody struggles with this, but I think that you are at a time in your life when this is kind of put on high alert, the anxiety is. I I was reading some stats, and the American Psychological Association says that the three biggest concerns for college students are anxiety, depression, and relationship problems. So I think last week David did a really good job helping you with your relationship problems. So we're not going to talk about the time, but we're going to talk about the other ones. And uh, we're going to focus on anxiety and depression. And according to Healthline, which is just an online research site, it says 44% of college students show signs of depression. Um, so it's funny because I think that y'all are probably the most lively people that I know. Um, but I know that sometimes whenever you put on that face, sometimes on the inside you're kind of dying and crumbling. And I've been there. And so I, I know what it's like. Um, and did you know that the third leading cause of death among college students is suicide. How many of you guys know someone who's committed suicide? All over the room. It's crazy. Um, So I'd say this is definitely a problem. I think finding peace is an important thing, finding internal peace. Um, Before we go on, I want to tell you, if you ever are feeling like you don't want to go on. You're feeling like, this world would be better without me. I don't need to be here. Maybe having thoughts of hurting yourself or hurting somebody else. Please ask for help. Because I've had lots of those thoughts. And it's hard to admit your struggle to somebody. But more than that, it's, even, it's impossible to do it alone. So if you're feeling um, severe anxiety, depression, thoughts of suicide... Please get help, uh, because we want to be a community who's there for each other, and I know that the people next to you want 
to be there for you. And I think, um, and even more than that, we want to be together, but we want to be a people. Sorry, I just lost where I was going. But um, what I was trying to say was, we want to be a people who are come together, but not just come together for the purpose of being together. We want to be a people who come together under the teaching of the Word of God and say, okay, God, we want to do life your way. And so um, let's do this. Let's start reading this passage. It's Philippians 4, if you have your Bible. We're going to read, we're going to kind of go piece by piece through from verse 4 to verse 8. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Let's just read the first verse. I'll give you a second. All right, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Um, rejoice is such a, a sweet thing. Finding your joy in the Lord. And, and if you go into the technical definition of rejoice, it means something a little different than I thought it would mean. It means to delight in God's grace, literally to experience God's favor, God's good nature towards you when you don't deserve it, something that's given to you that you don't deserve, God's grace. How many of you guys, man, you'd like to, to be able to say, man, I, I rejoice in the Lord. I find my joy in the Lord. And I, he says it twice, so it's got to be important. He wants us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And um, it does something kind of cool when you rejoice in the Lord. When you choose to rejoice in the Lord, it makes an impact on your life and on other people's lives. Um, kind of a funny story. There's a, there was a, a, a general named Massena in one of Napoleon's wars. And uh, in the 17th century, he suddenly appeared um, with 18,000 men, an army, before an Austrian town, which had no means of defense. So they're in trouble, right? The town council had nearly decided to surrender when the old dean of the church reminded them that it was Easter and begged them to cold services. He said, even though it's draft day, you should still come to Thursday night worship and hold services as usual and leave the trouble in God's hands. And so here's what happens. They did it. They had church, and the French army heard the church bells ringing and all the noise uh, from church, and they concluded that an Austrian army had come to relieve the place, and they quickly broke camp, and before the bells stopped ringing, all the French army had left. How cool is that? When you have joy in the Lord, when you rejoice, and people see that on your face, it makes a difference. Um, it's, it sends a message. Verse 5 says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Sometimes it says the Lord is near. And uh, when it says let your reasonableness be known to everyone, that kind of may seem like a a simple kind of random thing for it to say. But I think it's really cool to think about the fact that we have the important things down in life when you're following Jesus. And so what we need to do is major on the majors and don't worry about the things that are just preferences, just concerns. So when you have somebody in your life who um, maybe has a preference different than yours or a concern that's maybe different than yours, spend your energy not on maybe what you would like to see happen or what you want in your own you know, tastes, but do this. Spend your energy on what counts. We want to be a people. There's some things that you don't want to 
compromise. You don't want to compromise your integrity. You don't want to compromise the truth. You don't want to compromise the word of God um, because those things are absolutes. Um, but we do want to be a people who bend to the concerns. And we, want to be, we want to be flexible to the preferences of other people. And we want to stand on the truth of God's word unapologetically. Does that make sense? So when it says let your reasonableness be known, it could, it could also mean gentleness. And so we don't want to be harsh. We want to be gentle. We want to be, man, those Christians, they're kind of weird, but they, uh, they let me choose every time we go out to eat <laughs> or uh, <laughs> whatever. Um, verse 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I love this verse. Uh, it says, don't be anxious. <laughs> Has anyone ever told you, stop worrying? Does that work? It like, I like, you know what I hate the most? Someone says, calm down, Brian. <laughs> no. <laughs> Does that work for you guys when someone tells you to calm down? Calm down. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious. <laughs> That's not exactly what it says. It's not just telling you stop Stop being anxious. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. So another word for supplication, uh, some, some translations say petition. God, uh, it says, let your requests be made known to God. God wants to hear what you have to say. He wants to hear the desires of your heart. Um, you know what a petition is, right? It's kind of a, a weird petition going around right now. Um, Ted Cruz, a senator from Texas, is asking people to sign a petition to have a wall built. Y'all heard about this? On the southern border of the United States, you know, Donald Trump had this idea. When he was campaigning, he promised he would get the wall built and that Mexico would pay for it. So Mexico is not very happy to be asked to pay for the wall, so they're not going to do it. But Ted Cruz has this petition. Think about this word, petition. He's asking people, and he's calling for the U.S. to take the $14 billion that's being seized from Sinaloa cartel boss Joaquin El Chapo Guzman and use that money to get started on the wall. I think that's a pretty, pretty cool petition. Just take the money from the drug lord who's you know, done terrible things to get it anyways and use it for something. Anyways, I don't care about your stance on the wall. Don't, don't be offended if... I made it sound like I'm like anti-immigrant because I'm not. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> God wants us to petition him. He wants us to bring our requests to him. And one of the, another thing it says is that we're supposed to do it with thanksgiving. And I think another way we could say that was when you bring your request to God, when you bring your petition to God, have a grateful heart. Think about all that he's given you, all that he's done for you. And uh, it really does bring a sense of perspective. And he could say, have some perspective, have a grateful heart. You don't need to ask for anything. But that's not God's heart. God's heart wants you to ask. He wants to know what your desires uh, of your heart are. Um, I think that's pretty cool. He cares about us that much. Verse 7 says this. Um, and here's the thing. Well, here's, here's what it says in... I want it to say next. Here's what I want it to say next. Make your request known to God, and then he'll put like a billion dollars in your bank account. Wouldn't that be nice? Or like, he'll, he'll have you sipping on uh, 
a Coke on the beach somewhere. Or, uh, <laughs> got, some of y'all caught that. Anyways, it's not what it says next, but it's okay, because verse 7 says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I, I don't want it to go to the peace yet. I want it to go, don't be anxious, because you're going to ask for stuff, you're going to have a grateful heart, and then God's going to just give you whatever you ask for. But it skips that part. It skips the part where I'm supposed to get what I want. You notice that? It says, it says don't be anxious. It says, rejoice in the Lord, don't be anxious. Everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then skip the part that you think it's going to say, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, the cool thing is, even when you bring, bring your requests to God and God doesn't give you what you want, he still can bring you peace. And um, I think there's a kind of a key to this that we'll see as we kind of keep going through this passage. It's, it's pretty cool what he does. He gives us peace even when it doesn't make sense. That's why it says it's peace that surpasses understanding. It's peace that surpasses your circumstances, whatever you're in in life. Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like to feel that peace all times just to know, man, I trust the Lord and whatever circumstance I'm in, I'm looking down at all these things going on in my life, I have peace. I have internal peace. Nothing is going to mess with my peace. Nothing's going to mess with my joy. And he shifts gears here to verse 8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent. Anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So it's kind of almost out of nowhere that he's, he's just naming all these things that he wants us to think about. And uh, it doesn't feel like it's resolved, uh, but if you really look across all the things that he's saying here, that Paul is saying in this passage, it, it kind of has one central message. And... Uh, I don't know if any of y'all have ever listened to a, a radio show called the Kid Craddock in the Morning Show. Have y'all ever listened to that? I've stopped listening to that music, but I do remember the show, and I still like a lot of the music. But uh, the thing is, at the end of the show, every day, do y'all remember what he used to say? He used to say, keep looking up, because that's where it all is. And he was really talking about like paying attention in life, but I think that he's almost... Exactly right. Because if you look at what this passage is saying, rejoice in the Lord. Let your reasonableness be known. Don't make too much of what's going on around you. Don't, don't put your, you'll have, don't be anxious about anything on this earth. Everything, prayer, supplication, petition God. Have a grateful heart. Let your requests be made known to him. Then you'll have the peace of God that surpasses the understanding of this world. And it's going to guard your hearts and it's going to guard your minds. And then he tells us, listen to this, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What he's telling us is don't look down. Stop looking down at your problems. Stop looking around you at your circumstances because that's not what's going to bring your joy and what's going to bring your peace in your life. What's going to, keep, what's going to do that is looking up. I know that sounds really stupid simple, but it's so, so true because what can you see around you? 
You can't see anything that's in the spiritual realm. The world is all we see. And so it's hard to see past your circumstances. It's hard to see past difficulties with your relationships. Um, But that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to have a spiritual perspective. He wants us to be heavenly minded. I have these roses in my backyard, and uh, they're really pretty. They have this beautiful just red bloom that comes every spring. And uh, I, I never even think about them. I never water them. I never prune. You're supposed to prune the, the um, parts that aren't growing well. And I've never taken care of them. And they have this beautiful, there's probably like 20 roses on this little, this little bitty bush at, in my backyard. And um, I was thinking the other day, man, why... Why is it so beautiful? Why, is the, why are there so many of these beautiful blooms? And I don't even care about the roses. And then I thought about it for a second. And the roses are not dependent on any factors in my yard. You know what I'm saying? They're not worried. <laughs> they're not worried about what's going to come from my yard to take care of them because they're looking up. Because they get the sun and they get the water. And that's how they grow. They're not worried about the circumstances around them. They keep looking up because that's where they get what they need. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what God can do in our lives. It doesn't matter what circumstances you're going through. It doesn't matter what problems you're having in your life. Whatever's weighing you down on this earth, you don't get your joy and you don't get your peace from those things, you get your joy and your peace from seeing beyond this world into the spiritual realm that is so much more real than anything you'll see today. It's so much more eternal than anything you'll see today, and it's so worth it. Um, now, I know what you might be thinking. Brian, we live in the real world. We have real problems. There's, you can't just escape the... The problems of life, you have bills, some of you. Man, some of you don't. I, I, I envy you a little bit. But most of you probably have bills, jobs, school, responsibilities, a lot of things that are hard to not feel like you're weighed down by your circumstances. Um, some of you have problems. Uh, none of you are incarcerated, so you don't have those kind of problems yet. I mean... I hope all of you never have to experience that, (laughs) but I know that we all have problems and we all have excuses. Um, I want to show you, the guy who wrote this um, has has been through a little bit, and I want to show you just a little bit of what he's been through in 2 Corinthians, if you want to go with me, it's 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 is where we're going to just read a little bit of this. Here's what he talks about. This guy who's saying... Hey, just look up. Just don't focus on the understanding of this world, but don't be anxious about anything. Everything, let it be known to God, all your requests. And here's what he says. The the second half of verse 23 says, I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged. If you know what flogged means, it's like whipped. More severely, I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Most people don't live through being stoned, by the way. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I would not want to do that. 
I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. Everybody wants to kill this guy. So I promise you, you, you haven't seen the worst of it. And, uh, you know, Paul lived through all that. Obviously, if you think about Jesus, talk about somebody who had their mind on heaven, was willing to go through the cross and was willing to go through hell for you because he loved you, because he had this 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 purpose that he just couldn't get over that was more than this earth and that's why he died let's follow his example tonight um we have we have no excuses to to not just look up and to not to to not keep our eyes fixed on the spiritual things and even though you can't see them you gotta see them because it's what's most important can you imagine what it would look like if just the people in this room if we changed our perspective just a little bit and we said, you know what? I'm not going to let the problems in my life and the things that I have to be circumstances in my life weigh me down because I have a heavenly purpose and I believe this heavenly truth that surpasses all understanding of the people around me. People would be like, man, those Christians are weird, but... They sure do have an optimistic outlook on life. Because you know the end. Even, even in death, there's victory because of Jesus. Um, and man, those Christians, sure, they're not perfect. They make mistakes. Um, they sin. But man, have you noticed their past mistakes and the things that normally haunt most people, it's like they don't even exist to them. Because in the spiritual realm, when you give your life to Christ and you commit to following him, your sin is gone. You are flawless. When you meet God, he's not going to be thinking about the things that you've done wrong. If, you, if you're following Jesus, if you've made that commitment in your life, and some of you haven't, and man, what a great night to do it. But if, you've, if you're following Jesus, if, if you've committed your life to him, when you meet God, you will be blameless in his sight. And so every sin, every past regret that you have, man, I have a ton of them, they're gone. And so when you keep looking up, you don't focus on the things of your past that normally might haunt you or normally might bring you down. And your past, here's something cool, your past has no impact on your future. Who you were is not in any way going to hinder who you can be. It's pretty cool. Um, I think uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said something pretty cool. He said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this Aim at heaven, you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. So I want to ask you about maybe some of your aspirations and some of your hopes tonight. I want you to think about, man, what are my goals in life? And do they matter? 
outside of this life. Let's, ta- let's take a second and evaluate and say, I want my life and I want my dreams and my goals and my hopes to not be over when I die. I want it to be in something eternal. And uh, man, the relationships we have, they're going to last forever. Um, and so investing in people is always going to be one of those things. But I, think, I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about um, not just this, the things that you're putting your aspirations and your goals and, and your, your future hopes into, but also I want you to think about what it would mean to you if you made this kind of shift in direction and said, okay, from now on, I want my life to mean much when it, makes, when it comes to eternity. I want my life to, out, to, to outlast itself. Does that make sense? Um, I want to pray for us, and I want to ask uh, the band to come back up, and we're going to have a time of response, but let's pray together. Father, thank you so much um, for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross. That is the only reason that we can even make an eternal difference. I pray that tonight you would put just a deep-seated purpose in every one of our hearts, Lord. Not just to do things that matter here, but to do something that will matter outside of this world. And I pray, Lord, that as we do that, it would change everything. I pray that when we think about not just what is the most true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise thing, but Lord, we would also think about who the most true, the most honorable, who is the most just, who is the most pure, who is the most lovely and commendable and excellent, and who is the most worthy of praise. And Lord, we would fix our focus and all of our energy on you and uh, as that happens Lord that we would the fear and the anxiety that comes into our lives would just melt away and your peace a deep seated peace would just overwhelm our hearts tonight pray that right now Lord as we make these commitments to you that right now we would feel in a real way, we would feel the peace that's coming to guard our hearts. Our, our hearts are so vulnerable, Lord, and the only way that they'll be guarded is by your peace. And so, Lord, we, we don't want to trust in our relationships. We don't want to trust in our abilities. We want to trust in you. And, Lord, that you would give us that deep, deep sense of peace. I pray for anybody who's um, been considering either hurting themselves or um, struggling with deep-seated anxiety, um, maybe depression, and just has no uh, desire to do anything, I pray that somehow, Lord, they would know that you love them tonight and they would be able to reach out and take that first step and talk to someone and um, that maybe a new path would be created tonight. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it always feeds our souls. And I pray that you you continue to let this passage and your truth just penetrate our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.